Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our series of draft shows tonight, looking at the defensive line, the interior defensive line players, excluding any edge guys. It might be a 4-3, for example, uh, edge. Here to discuss that with me is Jason Smith of Huddle Up Films. Jason, how you doing? Doing really well, Ken. I appreciate you having me. Uh, big day, exciting day in Ravens land and uh, draft right upon us. Yeah, the big, the big news today, of course, and it's good to some. It's not good to others. I really don't like the number that's associated with it is Odell Beckham. Uh, in theory, signed with the Ravens. We've seen that breakdown of with the physical and whatnot. But what do you think about it? I like it. I like it a lot um, from a stylistic fit and just a, a trickle down, the way it trickles down to the team and, and all the uh, the little things that it means to me. I, you know, I would start off with the fact that if healthy, both him and Bateman can run any route. And that really stresses the defense because quite often, most of the time, you're not going to have two corners that uh, can defend every route. So having two guys that can run every route is a is a big thing. And then, of course, you have the running game and you have Mark Andrews in the middle. And then to me, it just signals that uh, better chance of Lamar signing back. It signals that we are going to div- diversify our attack, throw the ball a little bit more. Um, so just the the little things involved, uh, you know, the cap number might not be great, but that's why I'm excited. I, I hope you're right about the greater chance to sign Lamar. I actually think, he, you know, you can look at this glasses half empty, glasses half full, but it could also mean they know something that they haven't revealed yet about Bateman or Duvernay's situation. And I would be very concerned about that, obviously. I think the, the Ravens really still need a lid lifter going into this draft, so it's going to be exciting to talk to talk about the receivers. Uh, that's where where my focus would be on a, on a draft pick here. Uh, don't think you can count on Odell for vertical explosiveness. Hopefully he still has some of that wiggle left at the top of the route that, that he can shake a, uh, a corner. Um, and uh, and still can at least do some things, but uh, but one of my problems with getting him was he, he has some significant overlap with the tight end group in terms of what he can bring, maybe even a desire to be in the slot on some plays and whatnot. So uh, we'll see how this works out. I'm uh, really do not like a number of 18 million. And I hope that that's it's a hell of a lot less than that before incentives are figured in. There you go. Yeah, I saw 13 uh, as the uh, as the cap number. So we'll see. And, uh, you know, uh, just a, a side note, I'm wondering if Duvernay's status with the team will be compromised come draft day. So I think that's around $4 million saved final year of his deal. Nelson Aguilar in tow as your gadget guy. Um, just something to think about, Ken. I kind of went out on a limb with the punter last year and was right. So that would be my out, out on a limb type of thing is if uh, Duvernay's move for like a day three pick or something conceivable and uh the other guy who i think is probably more likely than not the ravens will attempt to trade him i don't know if they'll get it done is patrick queen 
Um, it would be really nice to have him. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that really makes this defense special is to have those two guys in the middle. On the other hand, if they can't afford Patrick Queen's fifth year, which would be about a $20 million tag, uh, and I don't see how they can. With all the void money they've got, they're going to have to eat next year with all the uh, Lamar Jackson's second tagging number that they potentially could have to do. I just don't see how they're going to be able to eat a $20 million hit on Patrick Queen, um, which means this is his last year with the Ravens. And once you're at that point, you either take it, and if, if but if there's a good enough deal out there for somebody who wants to sign him to a long-term deal and sees value in the frictions of that of that franchise tag, then I think you, uh, you you make the move now and uh, and recover some value on that, whether that might be a second or third round pick. Yes, I, you know, I, I'm figuring second or third round pick as well. And I think that that's valuable considering um, that, you know, he could walk away for nothing. He could walk away for a comp mm-hmm. pick, of course, um, you know, but that would be two years from now. And, um, you know, to, you know, if you want to add draft capital, meaning, meaningful draft capital, uh, not that any pick is a waste, but, getting a second or third round pick, maybe late second, early to mid third would, would definitely do it. But I, I don't, I don't say that as demeaning Patrick Queens um, play. Like I've, I've had my issues mm-hmm. with him the first two years for sure, but there's no way to me that the Ravens are paying two inside linebackers market price. That's mm-hmm. just would be to me a bad, terrible uh, use of the resources. So if you can get something for him while his value's high, I'm all for it because I agree with everything you said before I started talking there. Yeah, the Ravens basically have never done that. Um, they did have a second contract for Bart Scott, which was a three years, thirteen million ish that they ended up paying him. Uh, that was the famous one. He was in the Cleveland, um, in Cleveland, and they 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 phoned him in the building and and struck a deal. Uh, so that was a good one. And then of course he he famously left with Rex Ryan picking him up in his SUV right at twelve oh one a.m. You know, Can't wait. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, let's talk interior defensive line. It got an interesting class this year. It's been kind of weak for a couple of years. Uh, there's always been a, a, a top player or two. Uh, Christian Barmore uh, was a guy who who a lot of people liked, but it was a very, very thin class in his year. And uh, it just has not been a lot, a lot of that tied to the COVID year. And we're still seeing some carryover from that. A lot of the prospects in this class, very, you know, old by standards. Uh, but there's also a lot of variation in age of the prospects this year. So it's something I kind of took a look at as we went through that at every position, not just a, a defensive line, but it certainly is there. Uh, let's talk about the Ravens situation, though, a little bit before this on the defensive line in particular. Why don't you, you, you start it out? Because I know you've made a lot of these points to me. And, and let's uh, let's talk through them. Thank you, Ken. Yes, I appreciate it being involved in, in this group because, you know, I just wanted to state that I think that it is a a need on this team, not for this year, but for coming years. And, you know, just to paint the picture, Ken, I'm sure you know, Justin Matabike and Broderick Washington will both be free agents after this year. Michael Pierce signed a three-year deal, which is really a two-year deal with a an option for next year, so he could be gone as well. They've um, actually, I think they might have changed that because the OTC contract on him now has a void year next year. So I assume he's done after this year, no matter what. But they did re-sign him to some sort of cap manipulation okay. change uh, this offseason. So, yeah, he's he's uh, you know one of three guys who potentially could be done. Are, are, you know, one of the things we talked about was that we might be hopeful that either Matabike or Washington, one of them, and they'd have two fairly different tag numbers, I would say, could be signed to a somewhat team-friendly deal. 
I think Matty Bikie is less likely to do that, and there would be more money involved if they did sign him. But but maybe Washington is a guy. Maybe he's a guy you get three years, nine million kind of thing. So yes, so that adds to my point. So you have Pierce, Matabike, Broderick Washington, and I'll throw in Brent Urban. There's four guys out of the five that uh, with Calais gone now that, you know, are basically this is their last year with the team. Only Travis Jones, who's of course mainly a news tackle, remains. So after this year, you're going to have a lot uh, of ground to fill, whether you're re-signing uh, Matabike or, or, or Broderick Washington, or whether you're going to draft someone. So for this draft in particular, I think it's important for the Ravens to add at least one defensive lineman. And, you know, for me, especially with the Odell Beckham signing today, the, the better the player, the better, um, because you want a cornerstone piece. Obviously, Ken, something I'd like you to comment on with the, with the defensive lineman, it often takes them a while to catch up with the strength of the game. Uh, not necessarily the speed, but the strength of the game. Yeah, there, there definitely are some guys in this class who are exceptionally strong, and it's one of, one of the things you go through when, when you look at this. But I agree. I mean, uh, it will broaden the Ravens' ability to find the right guys going forward if they can go later in the draft and and draft a two-year project, you know, draft a 2024 starter, hopefully out of the deal. You know, kind of like the, the deal was originally with Broderick Washington, uh, or, or as it really was with Matabike, who played well some in the second half of his rookie year, but he basically, you know, was more of a um, expected to contribute in that in that uh, in that second year. So I see he played well the second half of his rookie year. I, I don't know if I said that correctly, but anyway, that's what I meant. Uh, and then, of course, the loss of Calais Campbell is just a loss of a ton of snaps at a high quality. That you know. I still shake my head looking at the Campbell deal and just how great it worked out for the Ravens. It's not quite a free agency deal because he was actually acquired by trade originally, but in a lot of ways it was like a free agency deal because Jacksonville was cutting cap. The Ravens took on a bunch of cap to do it, which might've been similar to what they'd have signed him for. I think there was a fifth round draft pick involved. So not a lot of draft capital for a player of this, of this, his statue stature. And he's been magnificent for three years at an age where he's got no right to continue to beat father time. Truly a marvel. Uh, just not only uh, athletically, but as a football player, his technique, you know, I'm, I'm glad I made a comment uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm glad that I was able to personally witness Calais for the last three years, because if he were to play in the NFC on some team, I didn't watch, I'd say, Oh, he's just hanging on, you know, getting his years in, maybe he's trying to get that hundred sacks, you know, it's sad to see a but that that wasn't that wasn't the case at all with yeah. Calais. Ton of snaps, ton of impact snaps. Very good against the run, getting pass rush. Uh, you know, we're going to miss him. But in a way, I think it could be a blessing if we can replace him with a younger player who will be here for years to come. So I'm trying to look at the bright side of that. Yeah, it, it's hard for me to find it too. Uh, cheaper in this case, you 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 get what you pay for a little bit. Unfortunately, and there there are some other players who would be in that veteran. Um, paying market value price for that I wouldn't be nearly as upset to lose, but Campbell is one of the ones who who just was worth it, damn it. And uh, it's really sad to see him go. It was. Let's go ahead and dig in here, and uh, we'll talk about the defensive line, and we'll start at number 10. Uh, you're the guest. You start us off. Okay. I'm going to start us off with Cameron Young, Mississippi State. He's he's my 10th-ranked guy. And uh, just overall, he's he's a very safe pro. Uh, 
prospect, red shirt senior Ken. So one of those older guys that you talked mm-hmm. about, six three, three oh four, long arm guy. Um, what I like about him is he gets his hands on you quick, and he holds his ground well in all situations. So he's going to be a good run defender in this league, I believe, at the next level with not offering you very much pass rush. I think he's a very easy player to scout, one of the easier ones in this group, because uh, he's pro-ready, you know, come from SEC. Um, Like I said, he'll get his hands on you quick, and he plays long. He's not just long. He plays long with those 34-and-a-half-inch arms, hold ground, sheds. His impact radius, I think, is limited. He doesn't cover a ton of ground, um, but he can stack, shed, do everything you would want out of a two-gapping player. Great point about about Young there and playing long. There are a lot of guys in this class. By the way, have you found that this year arm length being featured all over the place more than it ever has before? What was the verb there? I missed that. Uh, arm length is being featured more more in scouting reports, in discussions, in guides, in everything is being featured more than more than ever before this year. Didn't notice. I, I've kind of just kept it in my the perspective I always have, which is length is good. Yep. You know, pretty much at any position. You know, to me, it's like a forty time. Uh, you know, you can you can be fast. You can have a fast forty, or your arms can be length. But you know, Ken, I always say I've never seen someone block somebody with the tip of their middle finger. So <laughs> you know, you're going to measure it out to the middle finger, but you're not really using that. So um, being long and not playing long doesn't really do you much good. But for Cameron Young. 34 and a half inch arms, which is excellent. And and he uses them well. And like I said, Ken, I love the quickness with which he's able to get his hands on you. It stands out right away. It's like ball snap. His hands are in his hand placement is great. He uses his length. He can play peekaboo, stack, shed, do everything that you would want. I think he'd be great as a run defender, kind of like what we've seen from Broderick Washington as a Raven. You know, somebody who you could probably plug in next year as a, a you know, red shirt senior, probably old and older prospect and uh, can give you quality run defense uh, snaps. And that's why I have them all the way up at number 90 on my board. Uh, all these players in the top wow. 100. That so, is really high. Well, it's not quarterbacks included. And of course, it's Raven specific. So I have these defensive linemen pumped up. It doesn't mean that I would take him in the third round. Uh, you know, not number 90 is a third round pick. He'd be a guy that I'd be looking for in the fifth, sixth round. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. Hopefully, hopefully some of the guys and this is something that often shows up is I talk about a player dropping to the fourth round or dropping to the fifth round who might go in the third round, but they, they also might drop. And there's lots of inefficiency in the draft board at the top. And, and you, you do tend to get value. And just last year, Travis Jones was a tremendous value where where he was picked relative to consensus boards. Uh, generally speaking, that's uh, right. Um, I'm sorry to interact, uh, interject, Ken, but if I have a, if I have, you know, number 90 on my board, I'm expecting that there's going to be probably 10 players, not only him, but 10 players in front of him that are going to be there when you're picking in the one twenties, one thirties, one forties. It's just, it's just a numbers game. And like you said, the inefficiency for the draft. So I'm glad you brought that up. 90 may seem high, but 90 doesn't mean I'm taking them in the third round. That's somebody that, he might be lingering up there on my board if we haven't uh, adjust, addressed defensive tackle earlier, you know, looking at in the fifth, sixth round. So I, I left Cameron Young off my list. Now, here's here are some of the reasons. Cameron Young, to me, is a pretty pure three-tech at his size and length. They could be a dominant beat guards right up three-tech. I don't like undersized noses that, that are at that uh, – Size and I, I kind of like what the Ravens have right now with 
nose and nose three with what I believe uh, Travis can be. So, uh, you know, I, I would love to see Michael, Michael um, uh, Pierce and him on the field at the same time at one and three. So, I, and then of course there's Matt Abike. I would actually kind of probably like to see him play less snaps this year on early downs and focus more on his time as a pass rusher. I'm sure he's going to want to, you know, contract year and all get as many snaps as he can uh, possibly get. But I, I think he actually probably helps the Ravens a little bit less against the run. If you've got, if you're behind in the game, you know, that's a great time to get that one, three combo on. Um, if you're early downs early in the game, it's a great time to get that combo. On. And let's see what Travis Jones can do as a pass rusher. I mean, I'd, I'd love to really get to that. So anyway, what, what I, the whole end of this is that the Ravens are fairly crowded with Washington also being a pretty much a pure three with the group they have right now at that three tech. And Washington can also play five, but, you know, there aren't that many total five tech snaps. That's only your base defense snaps that even have a five tech. And they also have Brent Urban, who's another versatile three, five guy. So while Urban and Washington may need to eat a lot of the snaps that Calais Campbell did, potentially even play on the edge some where they don't line up somebody on the line of scrimmage at one outside linebacker spot. I just, if the, the three that the Ravens take, had to be a little more special in terms of everything he brings to the table. So maybe we can talk through some of the other guys involved here and and uh, what kind of uh, where it had them. But my number ten guy, I will jump to him is Tommy. And let me get this right, Adubare uh, of Northwestern. Are you okay on the pronunciation? Adubare, yep. Adatima, Adubare. All right, we'll call him Tommy. <laughs> I'm going to call him Tommy anyway. Uh, smaller defensive lineman at six two two eighty. 33 and seven eighths inch arms. The 449.40 is the fastest ever run by a player wearing weighing 270 plus at the combine. So that's that's a lot of his calling card. And it, it's a reason why the Ravens are unlikely to get him because there'll be another team that will reach up for those kind of athletic characteristics. Um, and you know, the Raiders famously, uh, New England might do it. You never know what they're gonna do if they, they took Cole Strange last year, which was certainly a strange pick. Uh, but anyway, you've got you've got teams that will will surprise you with these things. Despite those long arms, he's at 27 bench reps. There's a lot of strength there. Explosive on the jumps, just tests across the board at a very high level. Um, incredible athlete, shot put champion. And I the reason I look at this, the shot put champion, and say I like that is you have to learn a lot biomechanically to be a shot put champion. There's a lot of leverage extension, use your arms. Well, get your whole body into that. I think there, there are things it teaches you that, that are, that are uh, very positive for football. He still is going to need a defensive line coach to really help him, uh, you know, figure out a toolkit as a pass rusher. Uh, he, I think certainly given some of his testing numbers, I think he can play with significantly more weight and be still a nightmare for guards as a as a three tech. Um, the pad level is great, very low guy, uh, and that's obviously exactly what you want. And you know, again, I might point to that shot put background as having something to do with it. Um, but I'll say this: that there's nothing about his pad level and his length that really he's he's translated to results so far, and that's obviously the problem, or, or his athleticism in general, for that matter. Um, he's, he's been an Ironman in, in college at Northwestern. They, they've used him a ton of snaps 
And I think that it, it would be logical and it'd be natural that he play a lot fewer snaps, at least as a rookie in the NFL, might really actually benefit from that significantly. And I think obviously good coaching and he's, he's kind of my perfect two-year guy with a very high ceiling. Okay, a lot to go off of there. I mean, he yes, he had, what, nine and a half sacks the last two years, it looks like, since he started. So that, that is decent production. He played some on the edge as a 3-4 end or a 4-3 mm-hmm. end, excuse me, and some inside. Ken, I didn't hear a lot of negatives come from you about Mr. Adebore. Well, he hasn't done anything yet in terms of in terms of results. That's the big negative. That's why he wasn't on anybody's list before the combine. <laughs> Uh, what, yeah, see, this was going to be one that we, uh, that we split on big time mm-hmm. because I have him all the way up at number three on my board. Wow. Uh, yeah, his measurables are pretty similar to Justin Matabike's. Uh, Matabike, when he came out at the combine, 6'3, 293, out of Boire, is in shorter and 10 pounds later, 6'2, 282. Um, and he came on my radar actually before the com- uh, before the combine, again, it was a senior bowl. And uh, he just looked like one of the more explosive, unable to handle guys, really stood out to his peers. Uh, he was a senior, came in, played as a true freshman, uh, you know, be it he, it took him two years to start. Um, I love that you mentioned his good pad level. Um, he had reps at four or five, three, four, five tech. His uh, initial quickness and power is real. He wins early. I thought that he could stall out some, and sometimes his eyes got lost, which I don't like. I don't like head ducking. Correctable. Um, and I think he's more of a one-gapper than a two-gapper. But, again, that was pretty much Matabike's, uh, you know profile when he came in. He certainly has the arm length and the strength to be able to do whatever you ask him to do eventually. Yeah, you know, real good point about – you know, the, the, the need, you need a mix of not only body types and Brent Urban made that point on the show, but you need, you need a mix of, um, activity level or urgency level on the line of scrimmage. And we see there's, there's a few guys we're going to talk about here tonight that, that have are are, are patient in terms of, of being run game two gappers and, and are outstanding at it. And there's other guys who are just incredibly urgent penetrators from wherever they line up. And that could be three, that could be five. It could be a lot of places. But it, it really helps to have a guy who is morphing the line of scrimmage like the Adam urgency Ray. players Ray. can. Yeah, uh, all the urgency players for that matter. But, but you, it, you really need to have a mix of both. Campbell is a huge loss as an urgency player. I mean, he was a guy who penetrated very regularly, and that's why he you know, shows up in the notes all the time. Uh, Adebori would be a, a replacement of sorts. Matabike, we hope, takes a step forward. We certainly will hope we get more from the edges in terms of that. But really in the middle of the of the defensive line, Travis Jones, another guy, if you put him at three-tech, maybe you get urgency uh, out of him as a pass rusher. But needs some quick pressures from in the middle. I was really bummed out when this 282-pound man ran a 4.49 at the combine because <laughs> – Ken, I was he was on my radar. I loved him. I practiced saying out of Tamiwa, out of Bore. <laughs> uh, I was ready, you know, my draft analyst with Ken. But yeah, I love him, Ken. I love him. I, you know, I would I hope that after this you go back, give him a couple of more watches. Um, because this is a guy I'm going to bat for. Now I do have him as my positional favorite, my star player. So I realize I have him higher on my board than what everybody else does. Um, so I've realized I'm going out on the limb here and not not Ken. 
Um, but but yes, I, I love him. I love him. He, he reminds me of of, of Matabike, and I think that there will be a place for him considering his experience being moved around. So where if you want to put him on the weak side at four tech, you know, uh, or you slide him over the nose guard or, or the center, excuse me, on pass rush downs, mm-hmm. I think he's got the kind of chops where he can cause chaos at multiple different spots. Yeah, I, that would be very exciting to me. I mean, you could do, you could you could line him up as a chess piece a lot of places on a passing down, including things you wouldn't normally think of off the line of scrimmage. You know, w- wouldn't wouldn't be impossible out on the edge. Wouldn't be impossible. You know, he's he's a long armed guy that should be someone who really helps with stunts, and and he can do either. He can go over or under. Uh, I think he can help you both places with that length. And, you know, think about him going into a shorter, shorter arm center and really taking care of him crossing a guard's face. It's just there, there is a lot of flexibility there. What number, I'm curious to know, was he on your entire big board? Yeah, with our quarterbacks, so this isn't counting mm-hmm. quarterbacks, number 39 on my list. Ooh. So I have a true second round grade on him. I, I expect him to go somewhere in the 50s, 60s uh, if I have my my take, but it wouldn't surprise me either if he slips to the third round. I think you made a really good point too. something I want to come back to with, with the shot put champion, discus champion. It's the coordination of his hands and his feet working together, the mm-hmm. core body strength, the balance, all that works in his favor and shows in, in his tape, I thought. And again, you know, watching his one-on-one reps in the senior bowl, I mean, even a guy like John Michael Schmitz, who I think is going to be a very good center or guard in this league, just had a, it was just a problem for him. It's uh, even if you get him initially, he will drive you, block, drop you back. I think that he's got a, a really high ceiling. Um, and I think that even starting his rookie year, you can plug him in on pass rushdowns and he'll give you a little juice there. Unfortunately, a guy the Ravens probably won't get because they don't have a pick currently between 22 and 86. If he drops to 86, I guess they might consider it. They've got a lot of competing needs. Defensive line is certainly one of them. But I, I, it's going to really take probably a trade down for a team, one of the team who likes measurables more, you know, Seahawks, Raiders, whoever that might be, to not grab him before then. There you go. Yeah. All righty, you're number nine guy. Number nine guy is out of Florida. It's Javon Dexter. Um, Interesting guy. He's a true junior, and I kind of wish he would have stayed in school because uh, I think that he could use it, Um, you know, three years true junior. So uh, he's 6'6", 3'10", and that 6'6", works against him in the run game. Is something that I saw way too much. He's just too tall and not uh, enough sand in the pants there. He gets pushed around. Um, but I do think he deserves some love as a new age three tech can. Uh, you see the splashes, especially in the Kentucky game, uh, was I thought was a really good game for him. But um, he's a young player who needs work in all areas, but he has that upside. I wrote down big house needs furnishing. Um, <laughs> slippery athlete for his size. Uh, the other thing that bothered me, Ken, I want to mention is that I thought he was often the last one off the snap, which is a uh, which is a Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
is an issue. I, you know, I don't want to say it's correctable, but I think it's something that we've seen from OA here two years in that if, man, when he gets off the snap right, he is a handful. And when he doesn't, it negates that quickness and power that he has. And same goes for Dexter when I watch his college film. Yeah, a lot about him. And I had him higher than you, but but I have I definitely have more probably negative than positive in, in general. But I had him at number six. And I'm going to make sure I'm saying this right. Arm length is an issue for him at 32 and a quarter. That's relatively short for a 6'6 man, certainly, but also for any defensive lineman uh, that's that's highly thought of. The 48-40 um, doesn't play that fast on tape, just does not look like he plays it. And he tries to play a power and length game when that's not really his thing. He's not really yes. a very long player. And he and you know 22 bench reps, he doesn't really look like he has all the functional strength. And that speaks to, you know, spending another year in college would have made a lot of sense. He won't be 22 in Oct- until October. So he's one of the younger players in the draft. That's something to really like that you might have him. And so one of the reasons I had him a little higher was I think he really is a two-year project. I think he's a 24 starter, not a 23 starter. So it could be a guy that would fit the Ravens, at least from that perspective. Um, he had a significant drop from his pressure rate from 2021 to 2022 that's not a good sign and he did it over 347 pass rush snaps okay so a couple things maybe are working against him or one thing working for him one thing working against he's a year older supposed should be a year better um in a lot of ways but then on the other hand he's playing a lot more snaps and you know when you do that you're going to be a little bit less effective you're probably also going to be less of a situational pass rusher where you really have a chance to pin your ears back or, or, or even be playing more when the other team is down and needs to pass and you have some opportunities to, to rush the passer uh, uh, wholeheartedly. Um, fine run defender, I thought. Uh, really did a good job of being a patient shedder. And I've got that note for a few players in this draft, uh, particularly the when they're playing against zone that they time their sheds correctly. And Dexter was one of the guys who did that pretty well. Good lateral pursuit, uh, made him a productive tackler. Uh, Florida leaned on him for tons of snaps, 682 overall, 347 as a pass rusher in 2022. I think his play really suffered from that. So that's another potential area for growth because ain't no way he's playing 682 snaps, even a 17-game season for the Ravens. He'll play, if he's lucky, what about 20... 25 snaps times 17, so 425 maybe as a rookie would be about what we might hope for, and that's if he's if he's active for every game, which he might or might not be. Um, needs to get significantly stronger. You know, another thing that this is true of a lot of players in this draft, but it's probably more true for him because he's got the length problem. Is he needs to be more violent with his hands, and he's not a guy who has spent enough time, in my opinion, learning that part. Another reason why staying in school might have been a good call for him, but Hey, people make their decision might cost him a couple of rounds in the draft. Who knows? But, uh, but he's here and, and uh, the Ravens have a shot at him. Um, I think to me, I think he's a guy that Ravens hope falls into their value range on day three, that he's not a, a second or third round pick, but I'm, I'm hoping, you know, fourth, fifth round that they maybe have a chance. They'll value him as they do. And uh, and I'll trust their valuation uh, uh, in that sense. Yeah, and I have them right next to Cameron Young on my board. So, again, these are all top 100 players to me. It, it just is a flavor thing. 
you know, he's, he's, you know, I really wish he would have stayed in school as far as, uh, you know, he's got to make his choices, but I think he could uh, really use some more polish, you know, just in every part of his game. I've liked the fact Ken also wrote down that he's a slippery athlete, especially for his height. So I've, I've seen him slide in between gaps, uh, just be able to plus body control is what I would say to finish off a tackle or to get in the range to tackle, which, which I like, he's not a stiff athlete at all. Six, six, three, ten, just a big man. And, uh, there's a, there's a lot of upside in his game. It's, uh, very tantalizing. So tail of two players for me at nine and 10, where Cameron Young, I think has a very high floor, but won't give you a ceiling. Javon Dexter, kind of the opposite. It might take him a couple of years to get rolling, but if he does, he can be a factor for you. Makes a lot of sense. I will move on. To, that was your number nine, right? So I'll move yes, on to sir. my number nine. Zach Pickens of South Carolina. Now, there's a lot of guys in here who have some things to like and some things to not like, and Pickens is certainly one of them for me. 6'4", 291, 34 and 3'8"-inch arms. That's always nice to have that length. 489, 40, so a lot of quickness there. Tesswell, otherwise a 745 three cone is good for an interior defensive lineman. It wouldn't be good for a cornerback, of course, but it's it's good for an interior defensive lineman. Um, he has just turned 23, which is about normal, I would say, for this group. There's certainly some 24, 24 and a half year olds even, but there, there's some guys who are not yet quite yet 22. So the 23 year olds is kind of the normal age for this post-COVID defensive line world we live in hopefully that'll you know change over the next few years as we put the pandemic behind us and and uh, players are coming out at the normal age uh, to me what i the, some of the problems i had too many of his pass rush wins come late or they don't really impact the play so he was he was getting um uh pressures but their pressures after two and a half to three seconds i'll say and they weren't necessarily impacting the play now I, I would not put Adafi Owe in the same category, but Owe had a lot of pressures last year and he had uncompleted pressures, but they were still within three seconds. And I thought he was he was getting pressure. I think there's reason to be very optimistic about him. Zach Pickens, I look at his pressures and a lot of them, uh, you know, he's beaten his man, but but I, I can't really say that that's a pressure that would be stable from year to year or stable more importantly when he moves to the NFL. So that, that was obviously a, a, a big issue for me. Uh, he, there, it's not like he's the only one who's ever been guilty of this on the defensive line, but he's one of the guys and you don't often hear this who has a low motor. Okay. And he just tends to give up on plays early uh, when he's, when he seems to be beaten at the start of the play. Now you have to kind of manage your energy level on a football field, but it doesn't look good when you have a lot of plays where you kind of give up early uh, on a play. Could play three, could play five. Um, at his size, certainly he'd be a, he'd be a guy who could replace five tech snap snaps from uh, Campbell or Urban if he got hurt, or whoever it might be that would otherwise play the five. Uh, he has some very difficult to teach traits because his get off is good, uh, his hand usage is already pretty good, um, but it really should have translated into better pass rush results. And, and that's where I just have a hard time with with how he looked this year. His pass rush win rate is, is okay, but it's unexceptional for a 3-5 whose game is rushing the passer. So uh, I, I, I have a few more notes, but it sounds like you want to say something about the cut-up versus Tennessee that's out there. Oh, no, I was just saying it wasn't about Tennessee. Um, it was basically I was agreeing with you. It's, you know, six and a half sacks the last two years doesn't, doesn't add up to what you see at times. Mm-hmm. Very inconsistent player. I, I, I thought you made great points. 
uh, has quickness on his side. I like the senior bowl, but he's one of those guys I thought that practiced better than he played when I saw him on tape. He has a nice little swim move, obvious gap mm-hmm. penetration uh, ability for him. And he's got the traits where he, you know, he can two gap. He's long enough. He's, you know, six four two ninety one. That's, I mean, it's not small. He, he should be able to do anything you want on a football field, but, he gets moved by those down blocks way too much, man. Double teams uh, just gets blown off his spot. Uh, I like his body control when he's in space and that kind of thing. And I think his hands and feet are coordinated much like we were talking about with, uh, with Dexter, but um, yeah, he just leaves you wanting more too much is, is my issue with Zach Pickens. I think he can be a very good player. I think his, you know, his initial role would be as a sub rusher, gap penetrator. Um, but it, I think, you know, he may never get to where he's more than that in the NFL, uh, which is my main issue with him. Still a guy, you know, at number 82 on my board that I'd be looking at maybe fourth, fifth round uh, if we haven't addressed it earlier and we want to add a little pass rush in there. That would be fine to me. But um, but yeah, I, I thought that he was a better practice player than he was uh, in the games. He, he, you know, you mentioned him getting stalled as well, Ken. It'll just stall out low motor. That's one way to put it, but it's, you know, with his arm length and his ac- athleticism that you see off the snap and ability to penetrate right away, you just expect him to be around the ball more. Yeah. I, I, I will just want to talk briefly about that, that cut up versus Tennessee was out there. Cause it's one of the really good ones that's available on a, on a player that you, you, uh, you have out there, but uh, you mentioned the, the, the swim move. We saw that to beat the left guard and then the running back for a sack. Jeff, that running back, I don't know if you saw the play or whatnot, but, but just destroyed him the, on the path to the quarterback. Hey, one of the things you, you notice is he lines up a lot zero and one in that game. And when he's double to your, to your point you made early, he got pushed around. And I don't really have a problem with that because it's six, four, two ninety one. He's going to be smaller than either guy who is pushing on him, but he definitely, it, this is a problem for way more than him. And it's a problem for a lot of NFL players. Even some of the bigger ones is that they still have problems holding the, 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 the line against a double. And what I've found in terms of watching the pro game is that the guys who do it exceptionally well are the guys who are aggressive at putting those two players in a bad spot to start the snap. So they're quick off the snap. They're in a, in a spot between the two or across the face of one and, you know, into the shoulder of the other kind of thing before they have a chance to, to get their double set up. And then when they do, they're both blocking at a 45 degree angle and they're not, you know, pushing the guy up the field or in the direction, you know, one guy has him square and the other guy's pushing him in the direction they want to go. And it just makes it harder. You know, thinking back to Pernell McPhee, when he was doing it right on the inside, he basically had that all going on, even though he didn't play there too much on um, on rundowns. Trevor Price, a guy who who was very good at that, despite not being a, a huge player, um, uh, was good at getting between two linemen in that way. Great, great point. You have to feel it coming. You know, you have to anticipate it coming before the snap. And if you, you know, when you, like you're alluding to, when you get yourself in a position to where the blockers have to reset or change their attack angle and can't just come at you one time together like they want to, Ken, that's a half second to a second for them to get reset. That's that's all it takes. You know, the running back's got to get through the line. So, uh, he, you know, he Zach Pickens has the ability, to, <clears throat> excuse me, the ability to do that, but he's far away from being able to do that when I watch the games. Mm-hmm. Not close. 
Yeah, I agree. I thought the other thing about his play was that at that at his size and you know the penetration and length ability he's supposed to have to to throw a guy off target. That Tennessee game in particular locked up way too much in the one on one. Too many one on one losses. And you know most of the guys in this draft. One of the notes I have are. You want to scheme this guy for one-on-ones because he's a terror. And that's a lot of the guys at the top of any defensive line board have already had this kind of quality in, in college. Whether it's some sort of great penetration ability or a great bull rush or whatever it might be to cause havoc on run plays, say, um, Pickett's just, he doesn't have that. He's not an obvious one-on-one winner. And that's part of the reason why I think that the, the pass rush hasn't shown up to the degree we want to see it uh, so far. Anyway, project player, he's a year away in my opinion. That's why I have him at number nine. I have him at number eight, by the way. So that was my, do you have a number eight player? I have a number eight player. It right. is Byron Young of Alabama. All right, let's go down to him. Yeah, he's my number 12, by the way, while you okay. while you look there. So he'd be immediately in my honorable mentions. And there's a lot to like about him. I can see why you would have, we would have him kind of flip-flop there. Yeah, I, you know, a lot, a lot of things to like, and he has benefited for definitely from playing at Alabama in terms of playing a little bit less in the way of snaps. Alabama, great rotation. Uh, unbelievable length on this guy, 34 and 3.8 again at 6.3, which is very unusual that you get that kind of combination. Uh, at 294, I think he could play five or three in the NFL uh, effectively. 11-inch hands are one of the biggest sets in the entire class. Uh, played all over the line for Alabama. He played from one all the way out to seven. Uh, he, I, I don't know that he played nine. He was outside tackle as it's listed on the PFF guide, but I, I don't know if he had other snaps that were further out uh, on a wide nine kind of, kind of look, but he definitely has everything from one to seven, 45 college games, seven and a half sacks, 20, 20 tackles for loss and three passes defense. It's a little bit of, uh, stat filling on the page. At least it's not exceptional. I wouldn't say, uh, used more as a pass rusher in 2022 at Alabama when he had four sacks and nine quarterback hits. And you go back and you look at some of that, and he's he's uh, legitimately damaging a quarterback uh, when he when he hits him. So that was nice. Um, I thought one of the things he does is to shed well and quickly in the run game for penetration. So different from many of the other nose tackle two gappers who are hanging on and they have got the back door closed on cutbacks on zone zone runs against them. And we got a couple of guys we're going to talk about that, that that really fit that mold. Byron Young, he wants you out of the way quickly and extreme urgency in getting into the backfield. I thought he did a, a good job with that. If you watch the Ole Miss game, incredible game there, as good a game as you'll see from a defensive tackle with uh, 11 tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, and a pass defense. Not everybody follows like tackle totals, but tackle totals for interior defensive linemen. It's a really good game when you have four tackles. It's usually your season high when you have six or maybe seven tackles. But to get 11 tackles in one game, it's just it's absurd for an interior defensive lineman. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a recollection of exactly how bad Alabama beat Ole Miss in that game. But Ole Miss probably should not have been running the ball all that much is my, is my thought. Right. Right. No, I, I like I like a lot about Byron Young. I, I think he's a technician who can win throughout the rep. Uh, so his, his IQ, I think, feel for the game. With you, you know, you mentioned him being an ur- urgent shedder, but he looks very well schooled, very uh, pro ready, I, I would say. Um, sometimes he anticipates well as far as the snap. Other times I think he's very hot and cold. I think sometimes his tape is uneven and contradictory. 
and I think he's a little heavy footed. So those would be my, my, uh, I don't know, uh, critiques on him so far, but I don't see a superstar. I think, I think he's a solid player. Uh, I think his ceiling is, is pretty low just to him being, like you said, a heavy footed player. But, um, sometimes Ken, when I watch him, I think he gets stuck in between, uh, uh, a one gapper or a two gapper. Like I don't, I can't see him being plus at either one. I think he's pretty good at both on the college level, but there's not a specialty to his game. I think he's, he's got just a guy written all over him, uh, replacement level type NFL player. So not quite as high on him. That being said, number one Oh eight on my board. So not somebody that I'm going to fade too long because he's, he's ready to play. Yeah, I, that's that's a good point there too. I, I, clearly, a, a pretty polished player, and you know, you, you kind of expect that from a lot of the Alabama guys. Not all of them, because some of them get get to the NFL. They haven't even played that many snaps. But uh, but in, in Byron Young's case, pretty polished looking player uh, in terms of what he what he's done uh, uh, there. But yeah, I, I I would agree with you. I, he's not at the very top of my group. So uh, let's go to your number seven guy. I think right. Yes, yes. And this is where I start my run on nose tackles. Um, so, you know, not a need for the Ravens necessarily, especially with Pierce and uh, Jones on the roster this year. So these guys, I think, will be all be drafted before the Ravens would would pull the trigger. Uh, my number seven guy, Mazzy Smith from Michigan, um, 6'3", 323, big guy, um, 34 reps, Ken, with uh, some pretty long arms. Yeah. yeah, just unbelievable natural strength. When he came into uh, Michigan, he weighed almost 350 pounds. So he's cut down to a slim 323. <clears throat> I see some unevenness from him as far as him playing really, really high. Uh, I think that that is, that is his main issue. He's not a finisher either. Only a half sack, six tackle for losses in 30 college games. So you figure he would luck into a few sacks. Um, but he's just not a finisher. Um, plays high too much. That leads to inconsistency. He does flash dominant reps and good technique against the run, Ken. So one one rep, you'll see him swim in and blow up a gap and look like a you know a first round type pick. And then other rep, other reps, it's just what the heck is he doing? If you watch the Iowa game, Ken, that really turned me off to him. Um, his anchor was problematic problematic the whole time. He was playing zero to two tech the whole time. And their scheme just absolutely obliterated them. It's interesting because Iowa is certainly a zone team. And, and there's Mozzie Smith has one thing that got me over and over again about his game is that um, he's ponderously slow out of his stance. Probably the slowest guy of anybody that I even considered. For 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 the interior defensive line, Maybe you can you can address that too when you when you get a chance here. But um, long arms, lots of bench reps. You you mentioned that. Um, I think some of that is by design. The slowness out of his stance is that he really can blow up zone blocking when he is late out of his stance. It's kind of like a way that he's he's waiting. And you think about the you know the reach block that goes with that and. A guy like him who's staying in his stance and is naturally low there. And he's I thought he's pretty low on in terms of pad level as a run defender. I don't think that's his problem. Um, I think that I think you know you could point you point to other things about his about his pass rush that wasn't particularly good, but I wouldn't think it, I wouldn't say it as a run defender. He just gave guys fits when they were trying to zone block him and he was low and he had his chance to kind of pick his spot 
to go through because they're having to you know go along like ducks in a line and try and block somebody who's not moving for them and uh, and i thought that was actually kind of funny to watch and then when he was there when he when he did get up out of his stance and it's his own blocking rep he's as patient and crafty as i saw in this in this group really like probably the best or second best um run defender in this class in terms of pure run defending nose uh in terms of of having the back door shut so he's he's two gapping his block uh not by the not by the blocker's choice <laughs> and uh and he throws him out of the way to to close the back door very effectively so number of plays on on his tape where you you'll uh, you'll see that even on just a highlight tape there's a lot of that back door uh tackling uh had a lot of um i would say just pocket compression as a pass rusher some late pressure um, his pass rush win rate was not bad overall, but, but, but it was not much in the way of, of a high productivity play. So if he comes to the Ravens, he probably is the guy who, who ends up playing pure nose. He certainly, I think would be the pure nose a year from now with, if, if things go as I hope, and Travis Jones ends up being a, uh, monstrous early down three for the Ravens who really creates lots of pass rush opportunity, uh, pass rush, uh, creativity. Um, then I think Mozzie Smith would would make an excellent nose and really uh, is the is the right kind of build for that. Uh, he really had a remarkable game against Maryland, so I know a lot of people probably listening to this saw that game and just how bad he looked. Uh, made Lunsford and uh, Spencer Anderson look in that game where he had eight tackles and a pressure. Uh, it's one play against Iowa, and you mentioned the Iowa game where he kind of put the Siragusa role on the Iowa quarterback. And it was it was a dirty play. I'm sure he'd get flagged for it in the NFL. And I just had to smile. And you remember back to 2000 with hey. Syracuse and Gannon. Yeah, he's 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 a tough evaluation for me, Ken. It just the Iowa game left a bad taste in my mouth. I watched the Michigan State game. I thought he was good. The Maryland game was his best out of the three games that I watched. Um, but again, it's it's just I'll I'll see the quickness from him occasionally again off the snap, but. He does play a uh, just a very his uh, brain of football. I'm, I'm lost reactive. word here. Reactive, uh, methodical, methodical okay. approach. I would say to to hit you know from snap to snap. Um, but man, if you're playing nose tackle, and I see a game like the Iowa game where you're getting blasted all over the place, that to me is it. That that dropped him down my board a little bit. He's he's number seven for me. Um, he also, I think it's, it's worth uh, mentioning speeding was carrying a concealed weapon this year, uh, his own probation. So that may knock him down the board for some teams, not sure what there is to him, but being a Michigan player, I'm sure the Ravens will have all the, uh, the information there. Yeah. Interesting point. Cause you know, as soon as you see Michigan on any player in this whole draft, I'm like, uh Oh, you know, right. there's a pot- potential for a reach on that guy, <laughs> no matter what, but, but, uh, that's an interesting thing. And, uh, uh, it's uh, hope, I I would say he'll be gone between t- twenty two and eighty six just by the the kind of prospect he is. But uh, you know, it's possible he'd still be around given you know the 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 felony issue. Yeah, and you know, Ken, if if we needed a nose tackle, and you know, maybe I studied a few more games and saw more consistency, maybe he'd be up in the forties or fifties on my board. And I've seen him drafted there. Uh, in some of the mocks and and so, but I have him number seventy seven on my board, so not even far ahead, far ahead of Zach Pickens, just for the stylistic fit. Um, there are other players that I like better at nose tackle the next two on my list. So, 
All right, very good. And I think the next guy then is probably one of the next two on your list because that was your number seven guy who's my number five guy is Mozzie Smith. So my number seven guy is Siaki Ika uh, of Baylor. Let me make sure we go down to the right notes here. Yeah, 6'3", 335. Interesting, you know, weight had been clearly a problem. The guy looks like he's carrying around a tire, uh, you know, around his belly. It just it doesn't look like, you know, good play weight that he's that he's really carrying there. 32 and 38 on the arms, but he, but he lost weight for the combine. Um uh, his testing, despite the weight loss, was terrible across the board. 539, uh, 40, not that that really matters too much. It knows a 499 shuttle, 783 cone. Um, kind of, in some ways, you hope he ends up being Orlando Brown, a guy with uh, good tape, but very bad you know, measurables, and you end up getting a value that way. Uh, he had his workload reduced at Baylor, uh, so in 21, he played 42 snaps a game. He's down to under 35 snaps a game in 22. Um, two years at Baylor after two years at LSU. Uh, 11.5% pass rush win rate, which is very good for a nose tackle. So it doesn't always matter how he gets there. Uh, it is the only position he will play in the NFL. He's really not a three guy. He's a he's a pure nose. Uh, no sacks as a senior, so it's all just pressure. Uh, he might have had a couple of hits, but I, I don't remember the exact number. I'm not looking at it right now. Um, the bull rush is just remarkable for this guy, and that's one of the nice things. Uh, I think one of the things I like him for the Ravens for is that as a nose tackle with his bull rush, that does create the morphing of the pocket. He'll get some quick pressures out of that. And the Ravens are really built around a lot of players who are good cleanup players, and they don't have enough high urgency players now, particularly with the loss of Campbell to get that quick pressure. And, and so hopefully a guy like Ika would be a, would be a good choice to, uh, to, to get fast pressures, uh, occasional PD as well. Uh, sheds well-timed as a run defender. Another one I had this note for uh, really does a good job of denying space with his block and then getting one arm free. Uh, and and I, that's, that's what it is about run defense and two gap and get your arm free on the correct side uh, and uh, be able to either shed your guy or or make that tackle. Uh, needs to do a little bit better in terms of leverage and more ability at his size to stand in against doubles. So you want a little bit better job of that. I don't. I, I you know everybody has trouble with it. I understand it, but part of it is anticipating it and not being in a position where you know it's an easy block for the second man because you're squared up by the first guy. Uh, the Ravens drafting a nose tackle in round three seems unlikely. Um, if they haven't already selected wide receiver and cornerback, I think he could be a value at 86, 